second um a laundry list of accomplishments from this individual um just uh absolute american hero american legend um we are so 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 thankful that he decided to take a few minutes out to talk to us so um as i as nate gets ready to bring him on the show i'm going to list his accolades uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us on facebook live or if you're listening later on itunes iheart or spotify we appreciate uh you checking out our show so nate why don't we go ahead and bring him on uh, american hero um I want to also thank Gretchen, his uh, his publicist, for bringing it, making this happen. Gretchen Bierbaum, Bierenbaum. Hope I got that right, Gretchen. Hello. Hi, Mr. Blyer. This is Jason and Nate, the Dose Leprechauns. How are you this morning? I'm fine. Well, I guess How it's are a, you? we're doing great. We uh, we are extremely excited to have you on. Um, <laughs> want to go through and uh, go through a list of, of accomplishments here before we start asking you some questions. So. Everybody knows about Rocky Blyer, but we'll go ahead and talk about what you've done anyways. He was a three-time All-State athlete in high school, a Notre Dame national champion, Notre Dame team captain, a Specialist Four in the U.S. Army, awarded the Purple Heart, a Bronze Star, and Combat Infantryman Badge, a four-time Super Bowl champion, and finished his NFL career with the Steelers with over 5,000 total yards and 25 touchdowns. So, not a bad uh, resume you got there, Rocky. <laughs> So, Rocky, um, you mentioned Eric Parsegian. He's obviously a Notre Dame legend, just like you, Notre Dame hero to many. Um, can you give us a favorite Eric Parsegian story? I, you know, I don't know whether there's a, I don't know whether there's a favorite Parsegian story. You know, because um, you know, I, 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 when I think back on coaching, I think back on other um, 
on a lot of interactions on how he treated players. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it was ne- never, uh, buddy, buddy, I can remember this and, and, and this is, kind of gives you an, an indication of, uh, of, 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 uh, coach procedure, uh, and maybe his organization. And I was, as you had made mention, I was a captain elect going into my senior year and I was at summer school between my junior and senior year. And, uh, coach procedure said, uh, you know, we need to write a letter, uh, to all the players welcoming, welcoming them back, uh, to, to the campus, um, and to the fall football season. I said, okay, fine. He said, uh, I, I'd like to see it before we before you send it out to, to the players. And I said, okay, fine. So I had, uh, I so I wrote a letter and I, and I finished it and, and uh, I, I was going to uh, class and I thought, oh, okay, I'm walking by coach's office. It's around noon. And, um, and I walk in and, and he's out in the vestibule with all the other assistant coaches. And they're just talking, either going to lunch or wherever they were going. But, yeah, but they weren't in meetings. They were just and so I walked in and coach said, Hey Rock, how are you doing? And in his way, you know, he, he grabs your hand, shakes, shakes your hand. And then, and then he puts his arm around you and fills you up and you're working out or anything, you know? <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, um, he said, uh, and the other assistant coaches said, you know, how's everything? I said, coach, if, uh, listen, I, I, I wrote that letter. Uh, and, um, um, if you got, you've got a couple minutes, I would, you know, like to go over it with you. And uh, he said to me right there, he said, uh, uh, make a, ask, a, ask Mary, ask Mary uh, when I'm available. And I take a pause, thinking to myself, well, aren't you available now? <laughs> I turn to Mary and I go, uh, Mary, when's the coach available so I can talk to him about this letter? And she said, mm, how about tomorrow at the same time? I go, okay, fine. I got it. <laughs> you know, it's organized. You just don't walk in and expect to have a meeting. You make an appointment. You know, these are how things run. And that's the way he ran his program. That's awesome. That's a great story. <laughs> so well, what, what was it like playing in the game of the century? Well, you know, <laughs> playing in the game of the century, you know, I, obviously was a great buildup at that time. Okay, so um, two undefeated teams from a national exposure. This was the first time that two undefeated teams that were ranked one and two and one and two in the in the polls uh, had a chance to meet at the end of the season for that mythical national championship. And so, by the media. Uh, standards it became the game of the century because this has not happened before interesting thing in that game is that on that field that day let's talk about caliber players there were 35 future nfl players 25 all-americans 10 first round draft picks on that field that afternoon which I don't, I can't tell you if ever happened, you know, since then. But so you look at that pool of talent, and obviously, as the game goes, it ends up, you know, in a tie. Things happen. Nick Eddy, our All-American running back, gets hurt 
prior to the game, when he slips getting off uh, uh, off, uh, off the train um, and, and re-injures the shoulder that he had hurt two weeks previously, he's out of the game. Terry Hanratty, our All-American quarterback, gets knocked out of the game uh, in the first quarter, along with George Gedeke, our All-American center, who gets um, hurt and out of the game in that first quarter. So all of a sudden, we got a backup quarterback, Coley O'Brien, who was just diagnosed as a diabetic. Now, today, that doesn't sound like much, but when you go back all those many years ago, you go back 50-some years, um, you know, that was a big thing because people didn't know about how would it affect his performance. Um, and, and so, um, Arab was very concerned. And I say that because it leads up to the premise of, um, of, uh, we getting the ball back late or, or the last in, in, at the end of the game. Uh, and we, we ran the ball, we ran the ball, trying to move the ball. We didn't throw downfield. We didn't take ultimate risks. Um, you know, as if we were trying to win the game because because Era was concerned about Coley and his strengths, and he didn't want to give Michigan State a uh, chance to win this game by kicking a field goal, possibly if there was a uh, an interception um, on uh, on Coley's part. So anyway, but the game ended in a ten to ten tie, and in some and in some degree, after all these years, you know it. <laughs> It maybe was the right thing. It was the right thing um, because it was two very competitive teams, two very talented teams, two teams that you know that um, that were at the right time playing for that national championship. And either one, you know, was worthy of, of, of being the national champion. Uh, and so um, it, uh, it, 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 and then because of it, it became a game of controversy and then it became a game that we still talk about all these many years oh, later. Absolutely. That's a great story. I appreciate the insight there. So Rocky, obviously one of the things we really wanted to talk to you about too, is your, your uh, service career in, in the military and your time in Vietnam. Um, my dad, Nate's grandpa, was a veteran of Vietnam as well. He's in the Navy, uh, and he's you're a huge hero of his as well. So he had a question, and he wanted to know, um, did you have any resentment at all that um, after playing only one year in the NFL that, uh, that you were drafted into the, into the war uh, and, and that your career was interrupted? Um, no, no. I, I mean, I didn't have any resentment because you can't carry resentment, you know, with you. Um, it just – it was – it was, it was what it was, especially at that time. Going back, you know, obviously, if you get a chance to, you know, talk to him, and he might have, you know, expressed the feeling of what the, this nation felt about uh, Vietnam and about not only Vietnam but about the soldiers. And so there was a direct tie. You were a Vietnam veteran, uh, and or were fighting in Vietnam. You were a bad guy. You mm-hmm. were just simply a bad guy because the war was a bad war. And so you, you didn't get a chance to bask somewhat in the, in the, in the, in the thank yous that we get today to our service people. And so those, those soldiers that came back, uh, you know, repressed all their feelings and went about their life. So it was just from my perspective, you know, I, I, I was not resentful. It mm-hmm. happened. 
Did I want to go? No, like thousands <laughs> of other people. But ultimately, when you did get drafted, you fulfilled a responsibility. Um, and so you just, you know, wherever life might take you, um, um, and then you deal with it as, as it comes along. So so to answer the question, no, I, I really didn't, uh, you know, I didn't feel a resentment. So one more, another question. What was your reaction when the doctor told you that you would lose your leg? Well, you know, that was like, oh, okay, fine. Well, he really didn't say that I would lose my leg. You know, there were some things that was, were withheld from me at the time. Um, part of that was, I, um, which I didn't know, but uh, the doctors had a staph infection that was, um, crawling up my leg, and there was a moment of time when they thought if it didn't subside that they were going to have to amputate uh, my leg. Obviously, it subsided and, 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 and cleared itself up. But in so doing, there was nothing that they could do uh, from a constructive surgery point of view. And so they had to, one, let everything heal, and then after everything healed over a period of time, then go back and uh, and kind of reconstruct uh, some ligaments um, in my in my my foot specifically uh, and uh, nerve uh, regenerate nerve endings and damage so I could move my foot. And that just that took a long period of time. But so they never told me that they were going to <laughs> that they were going to amputate my leg. It did tell me was that I would never play this game again because of that damage and or the lack of flexibility and strength uh, that they had perceived uh, um, uh, that that I was going to lose because of uh, because of that damage. Um, and so my reaction to that obviously would be like anybody others, uh, anybody else's reaction is that it just kind of sucked out uh, a little bit of hope. You know that you might come back and and play this game again, but the interesting thing about that is that a couple days later, unbeknownst to me, I get a postcard in the mail, and it had two lines on it, and it said, "Rock team's not doing well. We need you, Art Rooney, owner of the team," and uh, it was like. Oh wow! Somebody, somebody needs me, or somebody cared, and that not that they not that they needed me, or that they cared, but, or but that the fact that they cared, and so that increased that little hope or anticipation or possibility you know, of being coming or being able to come back and you know and and play this game. So Rocky, it's well documented that that postcard that you just mentioned from Mr. Rooney, God bless his soul. Uh, was a huge factor in, in getting you fired up to come back. But uh, Randy Ball, another uh, veteran friend of ours, wanted to know what was another source of motivation to overcome your injuries uh, to make you end up being one of the best of the best? Well, you know, there, there, was, a, there was another incident, and it's all about little incidences in, in lives that can change, in, can change your attitude. Much as I was saying, one little postcard could change an attitude, um, that uh, or something that somebody says could change an attitude. And one of one of those experiences was the fact that, um, at least from my point of view, that there was a there was a young soldier, as I tell the story, that uh, was in the same ward. Uh, that I was, and, um, and he um, was a triple amputee, 
and lost his left arm and both legs. And every day that I was there, um, he would, the aides would come to take him to therapy. Um, as, and so, as I remember best he could, he'd grab that little trapeze that swung over his bed and swing his torso into his wheelchair, you know, and they would push him out. But he made the aides stop at every bed. And, um, uh, and so as he went around the ward, um, and it wasn't a big ward and he stopped at my bed and he'd say, Hey, how are you doing today? In that kind of an attitude. Hey, how are you doing today? Hmm. You know, I'll tell you what, you look better today than you did yesterday. Because when you got here yesterday, let me tell you, you look like crap. You know, <laughs> I got some good docs here that take care of you. Um, and I'll, and I'll see you back in the real world one of these days. And that made an impression on me because here was a guy that was a triple amputee. And if anybody could be uh, depressed about their situation would be that young soldier. But yet he kind of had this positive attitude. And I thought, wow, I mean, if he could have an attitude like that, what about me? I'm going to walk someday. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that was an inspiration. So along the, along the, the way, you know, you kind of find these or they fall in your lap or it's how you perceive it. These little inspirations that help you get through. Now, the other thing was that I had, you know, my goal was to come back and play, you know, and it's kind of a learned goal for those of us, you know, for, 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 for kids to play or anybody who competes of one nature or another, you know, and even if you don't, and it's one of these experiences I tell people is that growing up, you know, growing up and you get bumps and bruises. I don't care, you know, playing in the backyard, clicking, playing pickup games, playing organized games, um, going down, falling down a hillside or slot, you know, you think you fall out of a, a swing, you know, and all of a sudden you broke your wrist or you stubbed your toe or um, you pulled the hamstring or you got this, you know, and all these bumps and bruises and they heal. So what do you learn? You learn there's a process in which you, which you go through. Well, it, it hurts. Yes. Okay. Um, it heals. Okay. And then you are back out playing again. Um, and so that's, it's that cycle. So when I looked at myself, it was like, okay, I didn't lose a limb. All right. I didn't lose an arm. I didn't lose a leg or a foot, um, damage. Yes. But Hey, let's be honest. We've been there before. Um, and so what's it going to take? Well, take an operation and it takes time. You got to heal. Then you go through rehab, you know, and then hopefully you get back in play. So I think the biggest lesson that I learned or that maybe athletes in general or anybody in general is that um, you want to get to a point in your life or that you, no matter what may happen and you can't, you can only control the things that you can control. So the only thing I can control is my desire to come back and play. I can control my workouts. I can control getting up, um, you know, and running in the morning, getting to the gym in the afternoon, running sprints in the evening. I mean, these are the things that I can control. So you get to a point that hopefully if it never worked out, um, you may feel badly about it. But in the long run, it's uh, you. if you said to yourself, I did everything I possibly could, to be able to make this happen, um, then at least you have somewhat of a clean slate to move forward 
even if it didn't happen. And so you're not riding those guilt of going, oh, I should have done this, or I should have done that. I should have ran more. I should have done this. So um, we spend our lives trying to erase all those ifs in our lives so that we can have somewhat of a productive life thereafter. Uh, that's awesome, Rocky. You got a lot of young people watching and listening, including my son Nate, 16 years old. That's a that's a message that I think more people need to hear. So I appreciate that insight. Um, one of our uh, other listeners, good friend of ours, Terry Hitchcock in Indiana, wants to know what was the your favorite Super Bowl that you had a chance to participate in? Um, you know, each Super Bowl, each Super Bowl took on its own life, and I say this only because of the fact that the first one was very important. Why? Because it was the first one. Who knew there was going to be two or three or four thereafter? Um, and so that was an exciting time just to be able to be there uh, in New Orleans, to be able to be introduced on the field, um, uh, you know, as a starting running back with that backfield as, uh, on, on national television. It didn't have all the glamour that it has today after 50-some years. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it was still, it was still a big thrill to be able to, to play in that game and, uh, um, and, and to have a pretty good game. So I, you know, I remember that specifically. Um, and then the Dallas games, you know, so if, if I'm going to pick the game, obviously out of all four that, you know, that, um, I, I, I liked the best was probably the third one, the second time that we had played the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and, yeah, okay, I, you know, I got to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, no baby. <laughs> because, <laughs> right. So I scored a touchdown right before the half to give us a lead. And as I like to say, a lead we never relinquished thereafter. Um, but uh, that was uh, that was an exciting moment for me and in uh, for that team to uh, be able to be the first team to win three Super Bowls. Uh, and so that was uh, uh, so that probably out of all four was uh, was uh, my biggest game. So, Rob, uh, we've talked about some pretty serious stuff, but I think we need to get to the most serious topic of the day, and that's the big rivalry game tomorrow against the hated ones, Michigan. So what is uh, what is your prediction for tomorrow's game? I know it's going to be rainy. It's going to be kind of some nasty weather. What, what do you see happening tomorrow in Ann Arbor? Well, you know, so here's, I mean, here's the, I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, it is a big game, and it's going to be a big game. You know, and uh, with Notre Dame being five and one, and Michigan five and two. You know, so we saw Michigan lose last week to Penn State. Um, but the thing that um, will be a concern to us, or should be, is the fact that there's not much difference between a five-one and a five-two team. Now, Michigan, of course, was blown out by Wisconsin, but we got Georgia. Uh, <clears throat> they could have tied that game uh, if they didn't drop that ball uh, and, uh, and came back. So here's the biggest thing is that they came back uh, from a deficit um, in that second half. So they're, you know, it's, so it's like they're functioning better than most people expect. Mm -hmm. Going into this game, they're they're a favorite. They got a they got they they got what a two and a half point might have changed, but at one time I was looking, but two and a half point uh, favorite in this game as a home as a home field. So as people are looking at this game, they make it pretty uh, pretty even, you know, from a from a from a pick perspective. Um, and a couple things we need to 
keeping, you know, everybody likes to look at statistics specifically. So here's one from a Notre Dame point of view, okay, statistically, that uh, at, his, at his tenure at Notre Dame Kelly is 11-1 and one after coming off a bye week. Yep. That's, yep. that's okay. huge. So, so that, that, that's huge. I mean, that's huge. So he's got a bye week. You know, he's got people. And that becomes important in this game because you get a chance to heal the people that you need and to be able to come back and, 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 and be competitive on the field up in Michigan, you know. So one of the rallying points, which I like that hopefully that it's brought up and there is 2013 when we went up there for the first time, play the night game, okay? Remember, you guys don't remember that game, do you? Oh, I, they were wearing the white old school throwback, and <laughs> yeah, right. oh yeah. Okay, so, you know, and the way they treated it, the way that Michigan yeah. uh, treated the Notre Dame. Okay, so we got to keep that in the back, or if I'm Kelly, I'm using this, you know, as a stoker, okay? Yes, sir. Guys, we, we, we got, we, we have, we, we got to go back up and, and rectify this whole situation up there. So keep that in mind. But on the other hand, now we got statistics, as you probably know, uh, from Michigan uh, side of, you know, is that Michigan has never lost a night game played in their stadium. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you go, oh, there's always a first stop. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so. Um, and in this, uh, which I found interesting, is the home team, uh, the home team in this in this series with Notre Dame, the home team has won four uh, four of its last five games. Right, seven out of its last nine. So we go, oh shit, it's a home game up there. We got statistics, <laughs> okay? They got all right, fine. So we we got to weigh that up. I think overall is that Notre Dame has better talent or more in depth talent than Michigan. Michigan is playing well, as they will. Uh, and Jim Harbaugh, as much as the controversy as they have up there, or fans not liking Harbaugh, or not ex- whatever it is, um, he, he's a pretty good head coach. Uh, and so he will have Michigan ready to play, given all those statistics, um, uh, up, up there. So what does Notre Dame have to do? Well, we got to go up and understand that, uh, like hopefully a lesson we learned in Georgia, it's going to be loud. Oh, yeah. Very loud. And there's going to be, you know, it's going to be loud. So, uh, you know, that, that silent count is going to be important. Uh, not making mistakes, not jumping off sides, you know, keeping things under control just because of all the sound and the communication. So Notre Dame's going to have to overcome that. And I think they're capable of being able to do that, um, especially with uh, Ian Book. Uh, and because Ian's, you know, he's got experience underneath, underneath his, uh, his wings. And so, um, he's, he's going to be a stable there. And, uh, but, you know, so Michigan's got a lot, they're getting better. They got a lot to play for at home. Uh, big game. It's always a big game with Notre Dame. Whoever Notre Dame plays, you know, so I can lose every game of the season, but if I beat Notre Dame, then that's a feather in my cap. So they have emotion on their side. They got home field on their side. Uh, they got fan base, and they're playing pretty good. So what does that mean for us? Well, hopefully we can get people that had been injured healed, ready to play. So uh, 
Armstrong. Sean Crawford. Um, Sean Crawford, you know, Dante Vaughn coming back and being able to play uh, and play aggressively. So I think that bodes well for us, but we can't. We can't go up and uh, we can't make mistakes. You know, we can't jump off the off the off the uh, off sides. You know, we got to play consistent ball, and 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 it's going to be tough. That first quarter is you know going to be tough. They're going to shut down the run. They're going to uh, they're going to do the things that uh, that Michigan. I mean, Michigan's going to shut down our run. Um, they got uh, a pretty good defense. Uh, as well, but interestingly, in their defense, and as we look at the, their opponents, is that their opponents have scored in chunks okay. of, of yardage, right? You know, so it's like um, the, uh, if the the Wisconsin game. You know, I mean, Wisconsin <laughs> picks up big chunks of yardage right. at a time um, uh, to put Michigan in the defense. And so we're going to have to do that. It may not happen right away, but it will come in time. So we've got to be very diligent about our, our game, uh, not turning the ball over. We've got to place, you know, just all that common sense of, um, of, 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 of being able to establish. Uh, and, and now we got to watch. What do we have to watch for? we got to watch for their big receivers. Yeah, big athletic receivers. Big athletic receivers. So it'll be interesting to see how we defend against them. Um, but if we can put the pressure uh, on Patterson, you know, then then that's what we, we, we need to do. Mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll be interesting. And I also think this is that Michigan, you know, loves, or at least their philosophy seems to be, is that they would like to confuse uh, the opposing teams. They like to give them different looks defensively, you know, uh, different schemes, different blitzes, different uh, coverages, and, and, and they like to mix it up, making you be, to be um, on your game uh, and more adaptive you know, offensively. But I also got to be thinking of this. That's all fine. You know, you can kind of do that. Um, but ultimately, you got to prepare your people mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Right. You know, and and, and 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 I really believe that in that is that it's not it's not like they're pros. It's not like they played together for four, five, six years. You know, and understand all the uh, all the nuances and the changes uh, that we might put in for this game, uh, and being able to adapt to them. Uh, so I think that there might be some confusion on their part, which will allow us to get big chunks um, offensively. Uh, so we need to establish a running game, and hopefully we can do that uh, to help offset our, our, our passing game, just like normal football. Um, and, but the biggest thing is that we just can't turn it over uh, and or give um, – or jump off sides, um, and or make those mistakes that allow us to um, put ourselves in a bad position, I should say. So, my okay. So let's take a look at the game. You know, I, I obviously, and I think it'll be a tight game. Um, and I think that Notre Dame will win by seven, maybe maybe a field goal, but it'll be but it'll be a close game. 
there you have it, folks. No need to watch College Game Day tomorrow. You heard it from Rocky Blyer. We're, we're done. Um, so, Rocky, we're kind of going to wind down here, but I want to break a little bit of news here that Gretchen allowed me to share here on Dos Leprechauns first, and that's that uh, you're going to be making an appearance at uh, Notre Dame at Hammes Bookstore on November 23rd uh, for the Boston College game at, uh, looks like, 11.30, I believe is the time. To I'm sorry, 9.30 to 11.30 uh, to sign some copies of your book, Fighting Back. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. So we've come up with a new issue of, uh, of uh, my book, Fighting Back, uh, a brand new cover and reprint. We've added uh, two new chapters to bring it up to date uh, and uh, and uh, new pictures. Um, and so it's a, it, they've done a wonderful job of, 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 of redoing the book. Um, and so it'll be a great uh, <laughs> for the for the fans and the holiday season coming up be a great gift uh and the proceeds of the book and here's the biggest thing proceeds of the book go to um uh, veteran organizations that i support so um uh, so it goes for a you know so it goes for a good cause looks like so, uh, yeah, we'll be there at the yeah at the, at the bookstore um from 9 30 11 11 30 um and then it's game time uh, those, those interested, the, the proceeds for the book for this particular signing are going to Guardian Angels Medical Services Dogs. So yeah, that's right. Very that, good. That's, yes. that's awesome. And, and Rocky, we just want to really thank you uh, for all you do for the veterans. We are big-time uh, supporters of all veterans, of all wars, and all everything. So uh, it's really honorable to see what you're doing even post-career uh, in, your, in, your, you know, in your stardom off the field to, to help and make sure our veterans feel home, supported, and, and that they're not forgotten. You're welcome, uh, but it's uh, dear to my heart to, to be able to be in a position to be able to do that and uh, and take care of our veterans or be a part of them. So, so I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. during our conversation here, we probably had about 150 people say thank you for your service, Rocky, and they, you know, their parents, their grandparents loved watching you play, and we echo those sentiments. Thank you for your service, and it's it's just really been an honor to speak to you today. Hey, thank you. Thanks for setting this up, and uh, I enjoyed it, guys, and uh, have a great day. You too, Rocky. Go Irish, and take care. That's right. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that was pretty much a dream come true right there, talking to one of my heroes and my dad's heroes. I mean, my dad doesn't have a lot of sports heroes. He's more into you know the military and cars and things like that, but his hero is Rocky Blyer and uh, Paul Horning. So two two Toby Irish Gerhard. guys and who? Toby Gerhardt. To oh, God, yeah. My dad has a huge crush on Toby Gerhardt, which is just weird because he played at Stanford, and anyway, long story. Uh, that was amazing. Great interview with uh, absolute legend Rocky Blyer. Um, we didn't need. We were. We had a whole section planned about talking about the Michigan game, but Rocky kind of hit that home. But just to uh, focus on a few things there, it is going to be raining tomorrow. It's going to be a wet game. I think that gives us an advantage. I think I put our O line and our running game up against just about anybody in the country. Uh, Jafar coming back officially. You know, he got a few carries. I think literally two carries against SC. He's going to be ready to rock and roll. And then Sean Crawford coming back is huge. That kid is the absolute definition of grit and resiliency. I mean, how many times has he been injured where you think, oh, he's never going to play again? You know, and the injury that he sustained recently, and I was like, man, he's never going to, he's not coming back this year. And three, four weeks later, here he is back again. Mm -hmm. Coming off the bye, as, as Rocky mentioned, Coach Kelly's 11 and 1 coming off the bye. I really do think that's going to play into our favor. Our guys are rested up. He's had two weeks to play, to prepare for the khaki. And uh, I, I really think that's going to be huge. Um, as uh, Rocky mentioned, uh, the Michigan receiving core is, is tall, strong, big, athletic. Uh, they're going to be a problem if Shea can get him the ball, but we have a, we have a Julian Aquara and a Khaled Kareem and Adi Ogundeju and, and Jock is just playing out of control. So 
I think we're going to get in there and mess with him and, and make him make some bad throws and, and control the tempo of the game. Yeah, uh, that's our defense needs to control this game, and uh, I think they're going to be one of the biggest parts of this game. If we bring pressure, just get the ball back to E and let him sling it. Absolutely. Um, let's see. He should have been on the show. Want to win? <laughs> Uh, Jason Lynch says, want to win, put Crawford in. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Don Brown, uh, the defensive coordinator for Michigan, is going to definitely dial up some pressure. They play a lot of man, so look for Cole Komet, uh, Tommy Trimble, the double T, to get some uh, opportunities to make plays. That's for you, Jason Lynch, Tommy Trimble. Uh, I'm telling you, Tommy Trimble's taking over, man. Tomorrow, Cole Komet, Tommy Trimble about to have some big games, along with Jafar and Tony Jones Jr., so... I'm excited. Uh, this is going to serve as our pregame show for Michigan. So um, I'm changing my prediction a little bit. I initially had it 27-23 um, Notre Dame. Um, I'm actually going to switch it because of the rain. I'm going to go 17-13 to Notre Dame. Mm. Nate, what's yours? Um, I think I got 24-10. Whoa, 24-10 to Notre Dame? Yes, sir. All right, I like that. I, I really hope that Nate, Terry Hitchcock, some of the others, even Patrick McCormick, our lead, uh, one of our lead staffer, staff writers for Bill Sepricons, is right. And there are predictions that we're going to have more of a comfortable win. I don't see it going down that way. I think going into the big house at night is going to be a challenge. It's going to be raining, so that's kind of that wild card factor. It's going to be interesting, but it's going to be fun, and I can't wait. I have to work in the morning, so I'm going to get to work, get my work done, and I'm going to fly home. If I get a ticket, I get a ticket. I will be there for the start of the game. Cannot miss this one. So tomorrow at 4.30, we are just about 27 hours away from game, 28 hours away from game time. I uh, hope you guys all enjoy your game. Hope you enjoyed this show. Um, please continue to share it. I, we have a new logo coming out. We'll have a new banner next time you see us. Um, also, we want to go ahead and officially announce that at the Stanford game this year, Bill Sepricons will be in the house. Uh, please join us. We're going to have a really great tailgate going on at Palo, Palo Alto oh, High School, which is re literally right across the street from Cardinal Stadium. Uh, so if you'd like to join us, please do so. We'll be posting an invite for that soon on our Bill Sepricons page. Please follow us at Bill Sepricons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, again, I want to thank um, uh, Gretchen Birnbaum for putting this together. That's uh, Rocky Blyer's, um, I believe it's his publicist or assistant, something like that. Uh, she's been great helping us make this happen. So, Gretchen, thank you so much. This is an honor. And uh, check out Rocky Blyer. He's on all the social media. He does a ton for veterans, and it's something that I really think, um, I really want everybody to get involved in trying to help support Rocky, help support veterans. We'll take a quick call here real quick. Good morning, this is Dos Leprechauns. Who's this? Hey George, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I, 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 I guess well, uh, uh, my score prediction for tomorrow is going to be Notre Dame 47, Michigan 17 tomorrow night. Whoa, George is coming in hot. He says Notre Dame 47, Michigan 17. That you're sticking with that, huh? For a 30 point victory in the Big House at night, huh? That's correct. All right, George. If you're right, I'm sending you a hat, man. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Go Irish. Uh, you All right. All right. George Salk is coming in with the 47-17. I, like I, like I like the enthusiasm. And, hey, if it happens, I'm sending George a Dill Serpicons hat. Speaking of that, find us on uh, Elite Sports. Our gear is now there. We got hats, shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. We're going to drop uh, a really cool Beat the Chop the Tree shirt here in a little bit. I want to thank David Brigande, Use Dave, uh, for our artwork and, and some of the cool stuff he's been coming out with. Also want to thank JG Design, who's been helping us out with some of the cool edits we've had lately. And then, of course, our team, Bill Sepricons Media, Nate, my co-host and uh, historian, uh, Jason Lynch, the sheriff, and also our lead editor. 
Patrick McCormick, one of our writers, Matt Dunbar, one of our writers, Jason Pruitt, our uh, editor-in-chief, uh, Benny Grimm, another historian and just an awesome supporter of our program, and then Tim Finnegan, of course, as well. So thank you, gentlemen, for making this all possible. Thank you all for watching. Uh, if you're listening later on iTunes, please share. Please drop us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, we appreciate the support very much. And uh, go Irish, be Michigan. Dose. Leprechauns be the place. The podcast for inspiration and taste. With people all around from different sizes and shapes. Different cultures and backgrounds in the race. We got Jason and Nate. Host in the house, built to create, be in the lighthouse, to keep it to the gate. Got the know that dame back in education, led the way from the bus about to drive it home to rock it.